Hi, I'm Whitney Rochester and you're listening to The Me Minute. I'm a mother, wife, sister, friend, and just about everything in between. I've created this space because I think there's a lot of things we suffer silently through because of the stigma around the nitty-gritty of real-life, everyday happenings. We often put things under the rug out of shame, but I'm here to poke those pink elephants because I just think there's a lot of healing to come from being honest about ourselves and where we're at. Here, we get real, we get radical, and we heal through open and unfiltered conversations about everything without the judgment. Expect to feel safe here, be heard, and be healed, all while being entertained. Thanks for joining! Welcome to today's episode of the Me Minute. I'm your host, Whitney Rochester, and today we're going to be talking about something that I am extremely passionate about. And those who know me know that I'm a lot more for this. I just can't shut up about it because I have had so many encounters, and I know of women who have also had experiences. Some are subtle, others are, you know, more harsh and hard but their experience is none the same and for me a lot of it has to do with how we have normalized the rape culture and I mean I have a story and trust me for the time that it happened up until now I think it has left a lasting impact and I have a platform that we're able to share and be open about these things but what about women who don't have that same outlet you know what I mean I wouldn't be happier to talk about this um than with anybody else to any or with anybody else than my dear friend Nikisha Lowe who is a wife a mother friend communication and content strategist that young women and men of purpose she's also relentlessly dedicated to positively impacting her space and can be found on Instagram at Nikisha Lowe Motivates hi Nikisha hi Whitney thank you so much for having me All right, Nikisha, so I just want to jump right in because I think this thing has become so suppressed that we, it's sort of like second nature for us to hear of a story and, you know, oh, I just saw man steer. We have become so, what I call it, you know, desensitized because of how often it happens and the kind of reaction that we get when it does and when we hear about it. Um, So... Can you tell me a little bit about what your experience has been like with uh, sexual harassment? Because it's something that we see um, at the supermarkets. It happens in the workplaces, at church, for so many people, yes, at church. And on the roadways, it's, 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 it's so ingrained in the Jamaican society. And I know that you have traveled a little and... Um, how how you know how has been your what has been your observation in terms of the different spaces that you've been in as opposed to being in the Jamaican setting? Can we safely say that it's a Jamaican thing, is a yard thing, or is it's general? <laughs> well, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't know if we could say it's a Jamaican thing or maybe a Caribbean thing, perhaps. But mm-hmm. um being here in Jamaica, like like you rightfully said, when you're walking on the street, men will cat call you. They have all different types of comments. They say, baby, you look good. 
but yeah, a minute no strangers, you know. And sometimes the comments, <laughs> sometimes the comments, well, a lot of the times the comments are unsolicited. It's not like you're interested in what they're saying. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they're downright disrespectful. But yeah. then you have those men who will give you an honest compliment, who will say, Oh, you look nice. Or they'll call you Empress or Queen, or they'll compliment you on your hair or how mm-hmm. your outfit your outfit look or something. So sometimes it's pleasant while another time it is very unpleasant. I have found for me that if I am dressed a particular way, then I am addressed a particular way, if you understand what I'm saying. So for example, you'll see some ladies will be scantily clad with a battery ride or a belly skin. And, you know, the comments Mm -hmm. that they get are very different from someone who is clothed in a long skirt and a covered top is sort of like a more respectful approach. They'll call you miss or empress or something. Because yeah. I remember distinctively, I was in town the other day. Well, not the other day, some time ago. And this mm-hmm. man was calling after this girl, but she wasn't giving him the time of day. So he resorted to starting you now to cuss her out. He <laughs> saw her underwear <laughs> being shown from under her clothing. And him start cussing her, tell her how her underwear dirty and him, why she a beef, so like say, she better on him and all of this thing. But the, 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 the funny thing is, he was just trying to get her attention. And the mere fact that she was not having it, he resorted mm-hmm. now to abusing her with her with his words, which was right. very ironic. And it's something that I that, that I've come to realize is very common. I had an example yesterday. The garbage truck mm-hmm. came and the men on the truck were taking up the garbage. So I was being pleasant. I'm usually a pleasant person, very polite. So I was mm-hmm. waiting for them to come to the house. So when they got there, one of them said to me, say, no, AC not down there. I said, no, no, AC not down there. I said, boy, rough. I will laugh. The other one, baby, you look good, eh? You're strong. I like your body, your body firm. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. You it's know? uncalled for. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know if it's a thing where they can't help themselves or they just feel like they have to say something. But I think because we've allowed it so much in our culture, it mm-hmm. has been normalized. Because when I go to the U.S., it mm-hmm. is not like that. And I guess that is also dependent on where in the U.S. you actually visit. Yeah. But people, they're all about them business. They're not paying no mind really for the most part, depending on where you go to visit. So would you say that they are outside of the Jamaican culture or the Caribbean society, it's more what you'd say, no, the men are more respectable in their approach or it's just a general thing where, oh, you know, the approach is different? I think is I just think that is the approach that is different. And also it's a different culture. Right. So that right. may have a lot to do to do with how they cat call women. I mean, it happens, but not <laughs> as blatant or as audible as we have the men here do it yeah, because women are colorful <laughs> <laughs> what are they? you know you know when you start out to the summer you start to have a vibe and you're kind of going with the flow of the energy and so on mm-hmm. when i was when i was sitting down i said god what am i to do with the podcast which episode what am i to do with this episode i was actually writing the script for um parenting and our self-esteem as parents 
But it's like, I just never did I get the... And I read a report where we, they were saying that since COVID-19 pandemic and we are in quarantine and so on, you know, stay at home measures and so on, mm-hmm. more children are at home. And so they have been getting an increase in terms of how many sexual abuse cases were reported. Right. Because actually in 2019, they had 2,000... 300 and something cases reported and it really rested on my heart and I felt so overwhelmed by it because here we have innocent children who are faced with abusive fathers because most times it's not a is not a stranger is your neighbor your father your sister your sister boyfriend you know your stepfather your cousin and, your cousins and we have even we're brothers mm-hmm. and we have men around us who are hurting our children but then I said to myself well we're talking we're not talking about the babies at this point what about sexual harassment mm-hmm. sexual assault of women is there an avenue or an outlet for women who um are experiencing or have experienced this type of abuse to really come out I have a friend of mine who said to me that um, she had experience, she had an experience and she went to the police station to report it. And they outrightly told her that that's not something that police officers care for. Oh. You know, where is the evidence? Where are the witnesses? Mm-hmm. And so she was left to go back, suffer in trauma and had to, she has been living with that trauma up to now. Wow. So we don't, so we have reports of children, but what about adult women and it's quite interesting for me because I read it in the Observer in March an article that they posted in the editorial for March putting it up here and they were saying that the Ministry of this had beckoned for the UE to start doing some extensive research where sexual harassment is concerned and you wouldn't believe some of the comments here that I read mm-hmm. one of them said um Sexual harassment is another way to drive a wedge between male and female relationships. Sexual harassment will push and lead men to being locked up and more lonely women with low self-esteem. While another one said, how much of our tax dollars will be wasted? Now listen to the word, you know, wasted on prosecuting men for flirtation. So we flirtation, right? Mm -hmm. This is racketeering at its worst for the benefit of the lawyers. So here we have it now where there are actually men out there who think it is okay, it is their birthright, them entitled to infringing upon your personal space. And the more sub- the subtler part of it is the catcalling, the disrespecting, the verbal. But what about the, the, the other end of the spectrum that has to do with, you know, coming into my physical space and hurting me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right, go ahead. Yeah, I just think it's a case where it's, it's not looked at as important, hence the comments that you just read. Because mm-hmm. it's like, some of them, what did they say? So we are going so far. But they don't understand that not every woman wants to be approached that way. Some of them, some of us don't even want them to talk to me, period. Period. Right? And it's a thing of social conditioning. 
So then, because it's the norm, them band come see it, them band come hear it, they don't think anything is wrong with it. So when you or me decide that we're going to voice our concerns about it, we're looked at as like, really? Because it's not something that is seen as important. It's interesting that you mentioned that where social conditioning is concerned because I it starts from as low as they are babies. You notice when we have boy children and a girl come around them, it's like, oh yeah, look girl or me have a girlfriend for Gio and you know, so we force our boys onto our girls and we think, oh man, they're my baby, I know nothing, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. But then when they grow up into this culture where it's okay to just push on yourself onto a female, then we can't expect any better. That's true. You mentioned something the other day to me, and it never left me. You said our predators can count on our stylings. Yes. It didn't leave me because, for one, for a number of years, I am a victim of sexual abuse. And for a number of years, it rested on me that I'm no longer, I know I'm no longer traumatized by it. I'm healed from it. I've moved on from it. But I'm not open enough to say that this has been my experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you go into certain communities and you go into certain um, spaces, you find that we are shamed. So we feel ashamed as if it is our fault. And you have women who brush things under the rug. Women like me and you know, Nikisha, we brush things under the rug for one to protect their sons, yes. protect their husbands, and for the sake of family and rep, um, rep, vocal, no, reputation, or mm-hmm. girl children face um, this kind of trauma. And it's, it's quite prevalent even in the upper spheres in the society because I've had a situation where is a wealthy family, wealthy background, you know, the light skin and, you know, the people who are up there in the society. And the girl was being molested mm. by a close family friend. And she was told that, oh, you know, the mother told her that we're not going to report this because of our family name. Mm. Of our family name. Mm. And so this kind of channel opens the space for women like me and you, Nikisha, who we not suffer from it anymore. Mm-hmm. We have healed from it, but then we want other women to know that one, it's not their fault. It's not your fault. You and sometimes even if you like it, it doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make it right. right. Because when we're children, we have body parts, especially when we're coming into adolescence. We have body parts. We're starting to feel sexual urges. So, of course, if somebody touches up your breast, you're going to feel aroused because that's natural. Yeah, that's, you're a, human. that's the body's natural response. So, not because it feels good means say a year fault. Right. And it, it sh- and it should happen. I was working at a corporate. I was working in corporate Jamaica maybe two years ago, three years ago. And I actually I'm a friendly person. I'm not really too with people still, but <laughs> I'm a friendly person and I look good. You know, I look good and I have confidence and I always put myself together. And there were just always a group of guys who felt like, oh baby, and you're sexy and you look good in your work pants and tickers and so <laughs> on. I would just pass on playful banter. 
And there was this one guy who, when a friend, we've never exchanged words. We, not even good morning, just to show you how there was no communication between right. us. So one day after lunch, I sat down in a corridor. So it's a thoroughfare, but it's very dark. So people don't really walk that way. Unless they're coming from the cafeteria back into the warehouse. There was a step beside the, the corridor. I don't know if you're imagining what mm-hmm. I'm saying, but there's a step beside the corridor. So you, you come up the step, pass through that corridor that's dark. There's a door there that separates us from the kitchen. Anyway, sitting in the dark corridor on my phone, you know, doing my own thing because I have time left. I hear footsteps coming mm-hmm. up. Not unnatural because, as I said, it's a thoroughfare. The person passed me and I recognized that it was this same guy in closed the door. Mm. So for a minute now, I wonder, I want to go because normally they just pass and go where I go and, mm-hmm. you know, close the door and come sit down in my lap mm-hmm. front of me as if you're yeah, my man. Mm-hmm. So the natural response to somebody that you don't like, you're not familiar with, is to fight. Right. So I am, I fight him because I wonder... First of all, we don't talk. We're not friends. We, we, it's surprising to me. So I fight him off of me. He puts his hand on my mouth and says, shut up, mama, make other people hear me. Because other persons were in the kitchen area, the canteen. Mm-hmm. Shut up, mama, make people hear me. So I fight him because he, uh, he, then he says, um, what say? He said to me, you know, long my one, do this, Nikisha. You don't know how what he coughing on me. And I'm not a fighter. Mm-hmm. I'm very tough my mom, but I'm, a, I'm not a fighter. And I mean, I get really angry. I'm going to start fight this guy. And bearing in mind now that he's physically stronger mm-hmm. than me. And so he comes out of me to fight him. Anyway, him get up off of me after I realized. After he tried to kiss me and I pushed him off and he came off. The nerve. And I was so frightened. I ran down the stairs and I sat down at my desk and I called a co-worker of mine who was, was very familiar with him. So she said to me, I need to report it. So I go ahead and I reported mm-hmm. it. When I met with the managers, I was actually on my way out because I said I would have dealt with it. So I was on my way home. They called me back. I need to come into a meeting. I go into the meeting. And of course, he denies that, mm-hmm. you know, this is what happened. Because uh, that's normal yeah. again, right? For mm-hmm. them to deny it. They didn't have no such thing. Anyway, the sh- long and short of it is that he was suspended for a week without mm. pay. Yes, when I come and work the next morning, Nikisha, mm. you would have think, say, a me, a my fault, a me call him on to myself, and um, how me make him get yeah. suspended for a week without pay. And you wouldn't believe that these responses were not necessarily from the men. Yes, the women. The mm. women. And there was an older female there. She malice me for about six to eight months oh. because of it. And she says, I heard that she said, um, how me so wicked for make him get suspended. When wife and him You daughter, make him I get suspended. Pretty weak. Oh. Yeah. So a lot of it comes from women who feel as if it is their um they are what must I say I'm missing out on this word but women who have become so accustomed to this kind of treatment mm-hmm. 
that becomes almost unheard of for you to be reporting something like this. So a lot of the times we, a lot of the time we are shamed into silence because of one, we're trying to protect. So even though we know so them hurt us, we're trying to protect them. And I think a lot of it has to do with there, as I said before, and I keep saying, there's no outlet, there's nothing for women to really resort to because there's always a stigma that is attached. Right. Always a stigma that is attached. And so I went back after a week because for some reason it just it was just so unsettling to me because for me, when he came back, here I am now having to relive the moments. Every time mm-hmm. I see him, may I feel things he might go try something again. So I went back to the manager and I said to her, in your in your rule book, you say sexual assault warrants um, immediate mm. termination, right? She says, oh, no, 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 no. He's seventh, the Adventist, and I know you're Adventist, and <laughs> that's I'm you're not taking. <laughs> that's fine. Um, he's Adventist, and he's married, and he's never done anything like this before. So I think you're being too Ooh. dramatic. Because I, yeah. I told her that I was going to um, press charges because I felt like, you know, enough wasn't mm-hmm. done. She said he's a first offense and he's never done anything like that before and his character speaks for him and um, she don't know what else um, I want them to do. And I felt ashamed mm-hmm. to the point where I felt as if in that moment, I think it was 2018, 2017, I needed to get a new job. Yeah. I needed to just leave and not go back. But you know, we're mothers. And so instinctively, our first thought is to what is going to happen if I leave my work mm-hmm. now? How am I going to buy stuff? For my, how am I going to maintain my child or mm-hmm. my children? So a lot of it has to do with us having so many things to carry in terms of the mm-hmm. shame, the trauma, guilt, having to worry about them and what they think and what's going to happen to them but then we suffer. That that is very true. Like this is a heavy, heavy conversation. (laughs) And many women, we don't, we don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if that thing where we don't want to talk about it, but I think it's a necessary conversation because a lot of us, you have, I'm sure you've had your experience. I've had my experience. All of us have had experiences and it begs the question, what is the, you know, Bureau of Gender Affairs, people, what are what are those organizations that are structured for this kind of thing and response? Where do they fall? Because a lot of the time, even with sexual abuse, many of us have no, to, we either have to be a news story mm-hmm. or, you know, you find us dead in the bushes for you to put our name on um, a monument to say, in right. honor of but what are what are what are the preventative measures? What are we doing as a society in terms of protecting protecting our women? I don't think much is being you done know? in the Jamaican context in terms of protecting mm-hmm. our women, girls, and even our boys from sexual harassment. But the experience that you just shared, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. But I can relate, and I'm sure a lot of women can relate. Because it's almost like you told the truth and then you were somehow being punished for telling the truth. And it's unfortunate that the persons who were speaking out loudest against you were actually women. 
perhaps Women, perhaps yeah. he may have done the same thing to some of them and they liked it but the nerve you had to go and report it makes you the enemy so it's yeah. almost like they're sending a well, not almost like they're sending a message to you to say well you are disrupting our natural cycle of things here so even when the manager said yeah. to you that what else do you want them to do he's a seventh day Adventist that like, that has no bearing on his character you understand? Mm-hmm. So if he did something wrong and your regulation stipulates that if this happens, then it's called for immediate dismissal. Why was he still allowed to be in the workplace? Because she said, and I remember, I'll never forget it. She said that it's a first offense and his character doesn't, his character speaks for okay. itself. So in other words, it's out of the norm mm-hmm. for him. So them giving him yeah so them giving him the week was just to make you somehow feel comfortable like they were doing something right but they really weren't yeah but (laughs) and and that's the reality it's the reality and as a mother myself i have two girls and as a mother myself it makes me fearful because you know wonder okay this is the society that we raise our girls in this is the society that we raise our Mm -hmm. children in and what when they become adult women because we can preach like Paul mm-hmm. to them you know we can teach and teach them how to um, protect themselves to an extent but when they go out there in the real world then you start having second thoughts as the Lord Jesus every time they go out there you have to fret every time you go they go out there you have to be so overprotective of them because you know based on your experience what um what it is like out there being in mm-hmm. the streets you know I think as mothers, uh-huh. I can I can go ahead. Yeah, I think go ahead. it's important, especially as mothers to girls, for us to have an open relationship mm-hmm. so that the conversations can flow freely when it comes down to issues of sex and inappropriate touching, appropriate touching. We need to have those conversations. Because for me, as a child, when I was about eight or nine years old, I was raped. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't know what was happening. I had no name for it. So that conversation was not had with me. And sometimes I wonder Mm -hmm. if I had been given that information at a particular age, perhaps when it happened, I would have said something, perhaps. But then again, when I came Mm -hmm. to the realization of what had occurred when I was about 12 years old, I started reading um, a social studies book that had all these different types of sexual abuse, verbal abuse and so on that's when I became aware Mm -hmm. that I had been a victim so Mm -hmm. at that point that tipped me over because I I fell into depression because you're living all along Mm -hmm. not knowing what happening and then you find out say that happened to you like it really does a number on you because that conversation was not had so I believe that parents should definitely have age-appropriate discussions with their children both male and female children as it relates to sex rape incest anything that you think Mm -hmm. that yeah oh yeah how can i forget that buggery so there's a conversation that we need to have a lot of parents shy away from it so the bees the the stories that they tell some children or airplane drop your brother and drop your sister and the bees and the birds that's complete rubbish complete rubbish because if we yeah. don't give them the information they, they're going to get it when they go to the road 
ha yeah and you know i don't think for, for for you that's your reality and a lot of people don't know and people take it for granted that oh you know them are gonna know them know them automatically know you know we don't some of us genuinely actually don't we don't have that sex talk with our parents the only sex talk we know is when we reach, when we start bust look breast and we start to get pubic hair and so on, and we start smelling with ourselves. That's the time when we get, because first of all, it's always mm-hmm. like a breed. It's not to protect yourself and how you come into your own as an adolescent girl. It's more like mind your breed and you start to period now, you go, they go have sex, you when you get pregnant, mm-hmm. you go put it out. So that's always the flow of the conversation instead of saying, okay, you're, you're, you're feeling, you're finding your sexuality. This is what you do with it. And I think it spans from generations mm-hmm. way before us because sex was always, and I think even now in the 21st century, in some spaces, it's still very much a mm-hmm. taboo topic. It is. For, for me, I wouldn't say particularly that I wasn't given the sex talk um, because when I when I told my mother about what was happening to me when I was younger, first of all, it was more like, me never tell you, say, I saw you for a response. And I remember one evening when I, all of us were, you know, congregating, I was, I, I, we were talking about it, the incident that happened with me. She asked one of my sisters, um, what, what would she have done? And my sister said, should I should mm-hmm. I fight him? For me, I don't know if I would have fought him or fight him. I wouldn't because he was something, someone that was very close to me. And so it felt like this is what was supposed mm-hmm. to be happening. So even though he tell me, say, me for fight and me for bite and me for this and me for that. But for somebody who you're growing up with and you're familiar with, you, know, you come, and, come home and you see this person every day, it sort of feels like, oh, it's not wrong right. you know this is somewhat sort of an affectionate show then to me of you loving me you know um and I think that's that's the reality for a lot of women a lot of girls who you sort of don't know where you stand there's a lot of confusion so even though them tell you when it is happening when it's when it's happening and you're in the moment it's a different story and um the government has a far way to go. We have a long way to go where sexual abuse, anything sexually related in terms of abuse, um, goes. Nikisha, um, you went to the prestigious Northern Caribbean <laughs> University. And I have to say prestigious because everybody knows the NCU at top school. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Mama, um, Seventh day Adventist perspective in that space that we're not bashing nobody, we're just really being real and mm-hmm. honest about our experiences. In that space, in that um environment, is it the same thing? Do we find women who got, are subjected to this kind of treatment or it's unheard of at the prestigious? <laughs> You you you'll find that it's also active there in more ways than one. Why the school not only act, well they don't only accept Adventist students. It's open to everyone. 
Mm-hmm. With that being said, Everyone, yeah. even if it was a case where they accepted only Adventist students, different people are coming from different backgrounds, different norms and subcultures that they deem to be appropriate. So I right. have experienced it on campus. I've seen young women go through it on campus. And I'm sure you would have heard stories about this happening in the church. Some of them actually make it to the press. And so it's not something that's mm-hmm. limited to any one institution or organization or even family. It's something that is spread right across the board. So a lot of persons, what I've come to realize, people pretend well. So going back to your story where your manager was saying that what the young man did was outside of his character because they don't know him as that type of person. It's it's a case where he portrays himself to be a particular way when he is in front of particular people. But when he's not on show and he's in a different environment, that ugly and evil side of him actually surfaces and he acts on those intentions that he has. Because I think I was reading somewhere where it was saying that a lot of the predators it's like based on the relationship that they would have with their victims, they create an image for themselves that wouldn't necessarily cause them to be suspected of perpetrating certain behaviors. So whenever the victim actually does yes. speak, it, it it doesn't look like it's the truth. You know, I must lie yeah, tell because men I know him or her as you have women who are guilty of this too. We not know them as this type of person. So I must lie yeah, tell. I can't so and so do it. You understand? And then it makes mm-hmm. you know, wonder, like, mm-hmm. what did I do wrong? Should I not have said anything? Should I have kept it to myself? Did I ask for this? Mm-hmm. And then it mm-hmm. puts you in a different that's, that's... state of mind altogether. You're right. You're very right. And, you know, another thing I want to brush on quickly, because oh, yeah. time is actually <laughs> upon us. <laughs> We can talk for ages on this thing because globally, mm-hmm. it's a crisis. It's a crisis. And so what I want to talk about briefly before we go is the kind of support that you personally, through your mm-hmm. own experience, how did you find that balance now to say, all right, this happened to me. This is not who I uh-huh. am. I'm not a victim anymore. I understand that this is what happened to me Mm -hmm. now that I'm older and this is where I got my support So for me, a big part of how I survived that process of working through coming to terms with what had happened is my faith. As a Christian, my faith was able to Mm -hmm. navigate me through the hurdles. So I would pray, I would fast, and I like to write. So I had a journal. Mm -hmm. I would write out my thoughts. I would write poetry, but then when I when I mm-hmm. told my stepmom what had happened to me, I think I told her in twenty no two thousand nineteen. Lie, lie, Mattel. Two thousand nine. <laughs> two thousand nine. <laughs> when I just left <laughs> high school, and I mm-hmm. and she told me that I needed to mm-hmm. tell my father. When I told them about it, they actually got me mm-hmm. some counseling. No, to be honest, when I went to counseling, right. I wasn't completely open with the counselor because in my mind, I was still trying to protect the persons who are involved or who were involved in the whole abuse 
because I did not want anyone to get in trouble yeah. and I did not want people to view them trouble. a particular way. So I felt as though it was my job to protect them. So when the counselor would have asked me certain questions, yeah. I would I would answer, but to a point. It was always a guarded response. So I have mm-hmm. also come to find that whenever I share my story with different women, it, it, it gets better. Like the more I talk about it, the better I feel, the stronger I get. And it also creates a sense of openness and acceptance for them to share their stories as well. It may not happen in the moment when you are sharing, but you would have already planted a seed. Right. Right. And sometimes the realization doesn't come right away. It comes months later, probably even years later when you remember, say, oh, you know, that Nikisha said that. Yes, that is true. But I mean, what worked for me may not necessarily work for someone else, but we'll talk about that in my book, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I'm currently working on. (laughs) Um, That's a shameless plug. But yeah, so... My faith is a big part of who I am and how I navigate my trials in life. So I started sharing my story on Facebook. I started sharing it in different groups. If I'm in a particular setting and it deems appropriate for us to have a conversation about issues related to that topic, then I will share. And like you said a while ago, sometimes it may not happen immediately for persons to say, oh, this happened to me as well. It may take a year, it may take months, it may take years. Um, I was managing this this project Mm -hmm. last year and it ended in February. And I remember sharing my Mm -hmm. story with a group of approximately 20 young ladies. And first it was, you can imagine how emotional that was. Some of them, they got up and they left the room because they couldn't deal with it. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of them stayed and they listened. A lot of them were in tears And, you know, I just had to remind him that this is my story. You are not obligated to tell me what happened to you, but I just want you to know that it's okay and it was not your fault. So some of them were able to get the courage and speak openly about it so others could hear. And the tears became a whole, a whole lot of people were crying, but it was just a room full of ladies. What? (laughs) but i mean that's what it does to you when you sit and you hear these stories some of them oh my god it doesn't make you listen what you Mm -hmm. have been through but when you hear some of the stories it really puts you in a state of mind to say oh my god these people are suffering yeah and sometimes you find that because you find that women you have even teen girls hanging themselves oh for them attempting suicide. And for me, I wanted to ask you, but I'm not just so well finished now. But anyway, I wanted to ask you, being married, some of them, some women say, oh, when teen girls say, oh, when I get married, become man, I would yeah. be a man, a dog for years. And I mean, years. I lived with my abuse. And for years, I was in this victim, this box of victim. And I tried killing myself several times. I was in a sunken, and I mean a sunken state of depression. And I said, going through high school, being an over, um, what do I call it now? We'd say we are mm-hmm. perfectionists and we are over. Many people, because I was a head prefect in high school and people would never know. 
I remember one time I used to walk around with a razor blade because I say this thing is driving me crazy. Mm. And every time I think about it, I try to myself. And so I used to be up at UAU wow. often for rehabilitation because of sexual abuse that I endured as a child. And so for a number of years, as I was saying, I said to myself, I'm not going to get married because mm-hmm. man a dog, I'm an evil man, X, Y, and and being married now myself, I realize how far God has taken me from. And I was talking to a pastor one time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name her, of course, but I was talking to a pastor and she said, what you have experienced will be a story for many women. God doesn't ever waste a hurt. All of this trauma that you experienced, God is going to use it to transform. And I'm so happy that you are writing a book about it, which I want you to tell us some more about. But God has helped us. Because one time, and I said to myself, mm-hmm. I use this to mark myself, that the more I talk about it, is the easier it is for me to not feel, you know, down about it or anything. Yeah. And I stopped crying years ago. Because, and that is a thing, as I said, a mark for me, the fact that I can share my story and not cry anymore because God has taken me from that depressive state. For anybody who is listening, God may feel far from you. You may feel far from God, but God is right there beside you in that moment. God is right there beside you in that moment. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault all if you like it it's not your fault and tell me a little about your book Nikisha and where we can um, find it once it's finished and um, you know as a married woman now what is it is it different for you now or what has changed for you as a married person coming from that kind of background hmm. all right so as it relates to the book it's it's been edited. I'm the one editing the book. So it really just documents the abuse that I endured as a child. So it's detailing my life from a child to university and just showcasing how mm-hmm. God has always showed up for me in different circumstances. It tells about the abuse, but not mm-hmm. in too much detail because as a married woman, I still also have to be mindful. And as a mother, I have to be mindful of how I share information. And my family still has to live with whatever yeah. I put out. So I have to be very careful in how mm-hmm. I write the story, still telling the truth, but in a way that protects but. my family, if you understand what I'm saying. And it's, it's yeah. written, but not to shame I anyone, because I have forgiven my abuser. And the last I heard of it, he wasn't doing very well, but that's on him. I just know that I no longer hold that hurt that I used to have years ago against him, right? I have let it go because it really, as you said, you sunk into depression. I can relate. The action of trying to commit suicide, Mm -hmm. I can relate. So it's something that I've learned Mm -hmm. to let go over the years by just reading the Bible praying, talking to other people about what happened to me and just having different people pour positive affirmations into my life and surrounding myself with people who I know want the best for me and also being able to develop an identity for myself. 
out outside yeah, of what I went through. Because for years I used through. to say, God, why you allow this to happen to me? Of all the people in the world and of all the things you could allow, why did you allow this? And one day it just occurred to me that mm-hmm. there is purpose in my pain. <laughs> yes. That right there is a powerful one. A powerful There is purpose in pain. Mm-hmm. It might not look like it right now, but there is purpose in pain. Nikisha, thank you so much for being so open with me and sharing. And for those who are listening, you can find motivation from Nikisha. She is actually on Instagram. Her handle is at Nikisha Lou Motivates. Nikisha without the C, so I'm going to spell it N-I-K-E-S-H-A-L-O-W-E, Motivate. For a second there, I think I spell But there we go. Nikisha Lou Motivate for you. And you can also find me on Instagram at Whitney Rochester. There I have the As She Tells It Instabook collection where you can see stories like Nikisha's and other women who have gone through things like miscarriage, loss of a parent, you name it, yes. being woman in general. If you have any reviews, you have any comments, what you want to hear next, you can email me. Feel free to email me. It's the me minute podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining. Stay tuned and be honest with yourself. All right, Winnie, thank Until you. Until next time. Bye-bye. All right.